from the Diocese of Springfield in Illinois. This is Dive Deep, where we dive deep into our Catholic faith. I'm Andrew Hansen, along with Amber Servany and Father Chris House. And Father Michael Friedel is back as our special guest. Thank you, as always, Father Friedel. So uh, we're beginning a series here on Dive Deep called Real World Questions, Real Catholic Answers. These are some sticky questions uh, that some of you may have, um, some of you may have experienced as well. And, and what should your response be when your friend approaches you with these questions? We're going to get Father House and Father Friedel's perspective. Uh, on today's uh, episode, we're going to talk about if your child or spouse is not coming to Mass with you, what should that conversation look like? And then we're also going to discuss um, if you know of a person who's depressed or maybe feels that he or she doesn't have any self-worth, again, what should you talk to them about? What should that conversation look like? Uh, well, we'll start with the first one, Father House, Father Friedel. Um, this is an unfortunate reality in our Catholic Church where we see families dwindling um, in terms of in terms of mass attendance and things like that. And, you know, maybe oftentimes you do look out in the pews and you see the, the, the wife or the husband, and you, you know that their spouse or their children are also Catholic and they're not there, and something may be going on there. So if that, if that spouse has that other spouse who's not going to Mass, who is Catholic, and really wants to approach and says, you know, oh, come on, can you start coming to Mass with me? What, what should that conversation look like, do you think? Well, really, I mean, for me, before I venture an, an answer, and the, the initial question is, well, Why? Do you know why? Because sometimes it's, it's just because, because they don't want to. That's part of it. But there's usually a why. What's the reason? Could be because of a negative experience. Could be because of various things. Could be of a crisis of faith. Could be multiple things. So that's when I've talked to somebody and they are asking that about their spouse. What can I do with that? It's my, kind of the whole thing is that there's no cookie-cutter answer. So, but do you know why? What is it? And it, and it may involve a kind of a back and forth of finding out why or different conversations. So, because everybody brings a different experience to it. For some people, it's rather cut and dry. For other people, it's, it's not. And some people can't even give the answer. Have you had experiences where you, you've had a parishioner come up to you and, and specifically ask you about that? And, and have they taken that advice? And, and have you seen fruits fruits from that the conversation did happen and, and you saw that participation re- return yeah sometimes because it's um sometimes it's simply about an invitation about an ex- expressing a desire and expressing why the relationship will be better why, why the family will be better various things like that sometimes people just get out of habit sometimes priorities get out of sync those are the easier solutions those are the easier fixes uh, sometimes it's, um, it's a crisis of faith that can go back to before they knew each other. Um, it can be a new crisis. It could be multiple things. So, yeah, I've seen it go both ways. I've seen it to where it, it got exactly to where they were hoping to, to where the couple were back together, uh, practicing the faith, worshiping together. And I've seen where it, it just it didn't go anywhere. I mean, this, the one spouse was happy, the other one was coming to Mass and was um, fulfilled by that, but for them, it just wasn't where they were at. And Father Friedel, I think a big part in all of this, of course, is prayer. Absolutely. Um, so talk about that aspect and, and why that always needs to be on the forefront. Maybe you need to pray just to get you the courage to start that conversation because, right. you know, Father House, you, I think you laid out beautifully what needs to happen, but for many people, just getting to that and getting that, those words out of their mouth, hey, what's happening? Why aren't you coming to Mass? Are you having a crisis of faith? Can we talk about it? 
that's a challenge for some spouses. Certainly, yeah. I think, you know, as Father House said, to, to continue to make that invitation. But that invitation has to be um, not a guilt trip necessarily, right? Guilt trips don't, uh, sometimes they work, uh, <laughs> but sometimes and oftentimes they're not very, they're not well received. And so it's about making that invitation, right? Maybe Christ is calling you as the spouse to lift up your spouse in that way. And that's where prayer comes in, right? You have to be able to, to, to pray through these things. Um, one thing that I like to do when I have to have hard conversations myself uh, with family or with friends um, is to pray for the opportunity uh, for that conversation to come up, right? Lord, if this is a conversation that you want me to have, then I need to be shown very clearly when is the, when is the right moment to have that conversation. So to really open yourself up to, to know that that's a prudent conversation to have. Because the other thing I would say is, you know, sometimes people come to us as priests and they say, you know, um, I, what should I do, Father? Should I, should I have this conversation or should I, should I keep pressing my, uh, my child or my spouse uh, to do this? And, you know, I have to tell them, you know, I don't have the magic eight ball. You know, I can't be like, well, yeah, clearly, you know, you need to do that. Um, you have to pray in prudence for the gift of the Holy Spirit to know what is the right way, right? I can't, I don't know every aspect of you and your spouse's relationship. So I can't tell you, absolutely, you have to keep dogging them until they come, right? That's, that's something that the Holy Spirit's going to tell you. And I can't tell you as a priest. I saw a quote yesterday, actually, that said, um, Every family needs a prayer warrior. And then it asks the question, are you, are you that person? And I thought that was interesting because I think, um, I don't think sometimes we think of ourselves like that, that we're the person in, in prayer to um, lift our family up. Yeah. Now, when it comes to children, um, what, what would your advice be for, you know, I'm thinking like age wise, you know, some parents be like, do I have to, do I force my child to come to mass with me against their will? Do I do it until they're 12 or do I do it until they're, you know, 18 and quote, you know, a legal adult? I mean, I guess what, yeah, what's your, what's your advice for parents in terms of, you know, if they're getting that pushback from their, their son or daughter saying, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to come to mass with you versus like, no, you're 16, you're coming to mass. <laughs> well, my response for a lot of that is, I mean, are you going to let them do something that is contrary to their own well-being? Well, no, I'm not going to let them do that. They're going to say, well, then why would you let them not come to Mass? If they're living under your roof. If they're living under your roof, it's your rules. I, I mean, <laughs> and parents are called to be just that. They're parents. God didn't invite them first to be their, the friend of their child. They have to be mom or dad, and friendship should naturally evolve from that. But they're called to be you know, mom or dad at that special place. So, yeah, because Mass is important. Because we're called, yes, to worship God, but in that act of worship, this great exchange happens where God gives us more than we could ever possibly offer to him. We're given the gift of the Eucharist. We're given many graces. Um, so I'm not saying that we just basically, we, we browbeat people or tell them, well, this is how it is and you're going to like it no matter what. But yes, have conversations, have discussions, try to come to understand why the aversion, the this or the that, but understanding that we come to Mass, we don't come to Mass to be entertained. We don't come to, to Mass, or at least we shouldn't be coming to Mass, for anything that's about us. It's first and foremost about the Lord and developing that relationship with Him. And the wonderful thing is that we then do receive something, but that's secondary. 
It's about that responsibility to the Lord. For all that he has given to us, can we return something in return to him? And I mean, because it is a divine mandate, but we shouldn't have to fall back on that. We shouldn't have to fall back on the obligatory aspect of how wonderful it is that we get to come and be in God's presence, to praise him, to thank him, and to ask for what we need, to spend that time with him. But also, I mean, it's about mom and dad leading by example and various things like that. Because, and that's the thing, too, about being mom or dad. It doesn't matter whether your child is 8 or 18 or 48. They will always be your child. You have different sway over them, perhaps, at different times. But you will always be mom or dad. And God is always going to call you to lead by example and to lead by love. So that's, I, I can only imagine, I'm sure it's, it's challenging and it's difficult for parents, but um. one of the things that I think is is worth considering in that, if you know, if you're dealing with a, a family member who is, you know, putting up some resistance uh, with that, or who just has a lot of questions, is just to ask yourself, what does my witness look like, right? What do I do as a spouse, or as a parent, or as a sibling, to witness? that to others, right? What difference does Christ make in my life for the fact that I go to Mass every Sunday? Um, if, it's, if it's about about an obligation, like, you know, look, I've, I've checked the boxes. <laughs> That's not going to be a very fulfilling witness for the other person. They might go, well, I don't need to check the box. So there's that. But if you witness to them, look at how my life is. I'm more joyful, right? I, there's a sense of peace that I have because I go to Mass every Sunday. And I would say for parents, something that's maybe particularly challenging, you know, I've worked with high schoolers, they have a lot of questions. They have so many questions that they, you know, and it calls us to task because we can't give just um, a, a basic answer necessarily, right? Sometimes it calls us to sharpen our own skills, to go and to find the real answers and to be able to give an actually sort of a, sust- a st- sustaining answer, um, you know, to, to really dive deep into the truth ourselves and to be able to share that with, with our, our children. It's CatholicAnswers.com. Absolutely. <laughs> there you go. Uh, it's interesting you say that because uh, Bishop Barron has done extensive research on how people are leaving the church, the nuns, the N-O-N-E-S. And when he uh, spoke last year uh, in front of the uh, USCCB, uh, they basically, you know, the, one of the questions was, okay, what should parents do? What, what do I do? And so he talked to... Um, a professor at the University of Notre Dame, shout out to you, Amber, Dr. Christian Smith, you know? I don't know. No, I thought everyone at Notre Dame knew everybody. <laughs> it's no? been a few no. years, I'm not going to lie. Uh, and his, his answer was short and profound, talk to them about religion. And that's exactly what you said, Father Friedel. It's, oh, how can I get my kids to, to go to mass or how, how can I get them involved in our faith? It's almost, it's as simple as talk to them about religion. These, and you, you saw it at SHG, these, these, these children are they're craving Deep conversations. They're, they want to know about heaven and hell. They want to know about the Eucharist. They want, they, they want to know these deep theological things. And, and to give them fluff or, or, or just to maybe not live your life authentically, um, that is what could ultimately be pushing them away toward Catholicism. Yeah, because if you don't give them the real answer, and it's okay to say, I don't know, but I'll, you know, I'll do my best, or mm-hmm. we should ask you know, other people who know about that. But when you don't give them a real answer, they go, oh, you know what, that's the church doesn't have satisfactory answers for my questions. And that drives them further away. They go, well, why would I go there even to, to worship on Sunday if, if, you know, they're just sort of making it up as they go along, <laughs> right? right? It's, it's not a very fulfilling answer. So it's a challenge, but we have to call ourselves to task in that. And really the second question we want to talk about uh, in this podcast, and it is kind of all tied together, you know, if, if your friend or your spouse feels like they have no worth or, or they're depressed, 
Um, you know, obviously that go in the clinical side, especially if you are depressed, you know, we highly encourage that. But from a pastoral perspective, Father House, Father Friedel, um, if, if I know my spouse or child or friend just is down and feels like, boy, that just seems like they have no self-worth. What, 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 what's your advice? What do you recommend for, for that kind of conversation? See, once again, that's the kind of the whole thing. But where, why? Where is it coming from? Because it could be a whole host of issues. Because, you know, sometimes there, it may go so deep that we, it's beyond us. We can love and we can support people, but the actual the solution is beyond our capacity or capability. But, you know, we live in a world which is bombarded with social media and, and all these other aspects and status and what it means to be in or, or not and all this and this is nothing new this is nothing new it's just it's maybe more in your face than it's ever been before but the challenge at the heart of it and I don't intend for this to be simplistic is to remember at the heart of it that is that self-worth is not given by anything or anyone under heaven it is given by God alone because each and every one of us has been made in God's image and likeness. Now, do we always reflect that perfectly? No. Do we all have our things that are not the best side of us, maybe the things that detract from us, or maybe in our mind that we think do but really don't? Yeah, we all have different things that we struggle with that hold us back at times, but the wonderful reality is that God sees beyond all of that and that none of that diminishes our worth in his eyes and that... <laughs> Our value is so great that he gave the gift of himself and his son, Jesus Christ, to suffer and to die on our behalf and to continue to show us the way to life in him. That's the ultimate proof of what everyone's self-worth is. It doesn't matter what the magazine says or the website says or what the mob's opinion is. Mm -hmm. Now, a lot of times we let that take pride of place, but in the end, they will have no say. In the end, their opinion won't matter because in the end, only God gets the last word. And God's love is undiminished. We may choose not to live in that love, but his love for us and the value that we have, which is established by him, it's irrevocable. Amber, I think the toughest part is, you know, having those conversations with your friend or your spouse. You know, you recognize something is wrong. You recognize something. You know, we go to prayer, Father Frito hit it right in the head. That's, I think, the biggest challenge for someone who's on the other end who does recognize something, but gosh, it's just getting over that hump to having the courage to, to spit those words out. Right. I, I think when Father Friedel said earlier about um, it's kind of how you, how you are demonstrating your life, and I think Matthew Kelly says something about you're kind of always a walking billboard. So before you can go and have that conversation, I feel like I'm always checking myself. Well, am I living this perfect Christian life that someone is seeing what I'm doing or saying or living and being like, okay, I'll take her advice because I, I see what she's doing and how it's living and it seems to be working. <laughs> There's value or worth than in what she says based off what, what they see. I think that's tricky. Um, and so then sometimes you refrain from actually having that conversation because you're like, well, maybe I'm not always super great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, ch the challenge with, um, you know, some people, I, I, a challenge I often issue in the confessional, to be honest, is, you know, when people seem a little down or, or they, you know, they're beating themselves up about uh, their sins or their weaknesses or whatever. Listen, the reality is, as humans, we know our weakness far, far better than our worth, right? I mean, we, we just have to allow ourselves to be loved sometimes, you know, we have to sit in the presence of the Lord and we have to 
put ourselves there and say, Lord, show me how much you love me, right? Because we know all of, we know every mistake we've ever made, and we can probably, you know, run down that list in our heads at any given moment. But the reality is, um, when God fashioned you, you know, when you think about the moment that he created you for who you were, he didn't go, eh, I'll send it out anyway, right? It's a little messed up. It's a little, uh, you know, it, it looks kind of ugly or it's, you know, it's, uh, they're probably going to be worthless in, in their life. You know, they're not going to get a job or whatever it is. So, I'll, but I'll crank them out anyway, you know. No, God created you as a, something supremely good, right? And so we need to go back to that, that God, you know, it's the cliche, but God doesn't make junk. He didn't, he didn't send you out and go, eh, whatever, you know, I can do better, but I, <laughs> I never thought of that way, but the way you just said it was like totally resonating with me. <laughs> My dad used to have a sign in his garage that said, God didn't make no junk. So I used to say that all the time. Uh, maybe it fell in the back of my head somewhere. I'm not sure. Uh, but the challenge is, you know, honestly, and again, to go back to, there are times when people who deal with, um, you know, clinical depression or something like that when to say these things does not resonate with them, right? Because there's a real um, uh, challenge uh, within them to see themselves as worthy and that kind of thing. It's those moments we as priests go through um, fairly extensive pastoral training to recognize those moments when this is a spiritual conversation that needs to happen and they can move on with their life. And when it's, you know, something that needs to be referred to someone who can actually help in, you know, with psychology or with, um, with medicine. So, you know, don't be afraid to involve professionals. And, I, and something I would say, I think it deserves to be said, is that if somebody does have suicidal ideation, you know, that is something that you should believe and that you should uh, really seek medical help for. Um, but, you know, short of that, consult your priest, consult uh, medical professionals and, and, you know, witness to them the joy and the love that you have for them. I think that's the biggest thing. Some good advice. We wish you all the best if you're struggling with either of those questions. This has been Dive Deep. If you'd like more podcasts, head on over to dio.org slash podcast. We'll continue this series, and we'll see you next time.